0: Gentlemen, here we are at the Old West Cigar Shop in beautiful downtown Colorado Springs, Colorado, just before the snowpocalypse coming. Uh, and you guys are here in town for Lead 2021, and glad to have you in town. And as a result of that powerful event, uh, Drew got a ton of questions that we didn't have a chance to get to last week, last episode rather, of Unfiltered. We got through a handful of those. And we're gonna try to plow through a bunch of these. We're on a 90 second clock. Danny, the Nazi over there, the uh, time Nazi, is making sure we stay in the 90. You got the over on me. I got the under several times, you won't admit it. And so, Drew? 90 seconds, you're on the clock.
1: Well, hey, I, I first want to just thank you know each of you guys for showing up and and, and making my my first MC gig uh, delightful number one, as well as did our audience. And then of course, when we got to do our little session together as we always do, you know the the conversation is fantastic, the engagement is always great, the energy is, is spectacular. But when we get engagement from our members in the audience, it makes it even better. So you know, you are the reason that we do what we do. And so please submit your questions through the Ask the Experts channel when we're you know, when we're doing live stuff. You know just you know, show up, contribute, give us the content and we will respond. And so we've got some Gary questions. Gary
0: and I are pretty easy to work with, right? You
1: guys are fantastic the to work with. The mark of a true yes. professional. Yeah.
0: The mark of true professionals.
1: So so we have some questions right from our, uh, our, our uh, audience here. I am a small company with six employees. I am currently an EGI member. Certainly I would have to be, right? Because that's the only way to get in and give us a question. Uh, my question is that I would like to have a weekly meeting to start working on standards and company atmosphere. Where do I start? Compound question, is there a system in place or a video series I'm betting hundred dollars there is video series uh, to show for 15 minutes on a morning?
2: Uh, the answer is yes, the EGI website, uh, contractor best practices library under company planning. There's an entire group of videos on company meeting rhythms, company agendas. There are sample agendas. Uh, they're blank. Of course, you would have to fill in the information that you would want to talk about in your company meetings. And uh, so uh, that's where I would start. Um, the, probably the second layer of that is, you know, why are you doing the meetings? Like meetings to have meetings is never really a good idea. So you wanna have a structure around what are you trying to achieve with your meeting rhythm? So we use scaling up. Uh, some people might use traction. There's lots of different ways that you can approach that. Uh, But I would use the tech that's on the site first and then I would set up the agendas based on what you're trying to accomplish
1: So there's a framework on the site for actually for the meeting and then if you need content specifically
2: for the meeting There's that also on the website. Yeah, I mean service tech selling there's uh, the LMS with sales process There's uh, you know service tech uh, process sales management. It's all there. All
0: right I would say that the benefits of a weekly company-wide meeting are very significant in terms of building cultural rapport, connection, uh, I would just caution, don't think you have to have it all figured out before you get started, right? A thousand mile journey begins with a single step. People in our industry tend to be very technically gifted. Right, that's a good thing. The bad thing about that in terms of accomplishment and achievement is sometimes technical people wanna know the 100th step before they start the first step. I would say, get your crew together, share some customer testimonials, right? Talk about a great install. Talk about a great service call, just get started in the process. And yes, there's tons of training specifically from Gary on the you website. There's so many, there's hundreds of hours of content in 10 and 15 and 20 minute segments that you can run during those meetings, but just start talking about, start talking about your customers and your people. And you've done an amazing job with the
1: cracking the code uh, session. So, I mean, obviously, as a business owner, as a manager, as a leader, you're going to have to go out there and, and and look at those and see which ones are relevant to what you want to cover, right? But I mean, you've done a great thing where these minute these videos are like what 15 to 20 minutes max.
0: Well, the whole show is 30 minutes, but you can take any segment. Right. Andy cuts those up into various segments, 10, 15, 12 minutes a piece, whatever it is. Run one of those and just have everybody give their opinion on it. What what do you think about what you just saw in the video?
1: And I love how you said also you you don't have to be the person all the time, right? That you may have a star employee that's doing something great and having some level of success and say, listen, I want you to talk today. Yep. You, know, sh- you know, tell us, you know, you, know what, how, you were struggling, now you're not. How did you change it? What are you doing? So you, you can make your, your employees shine that day. You can have a book club where you basically assign a book and you read a you know, chapter, but you then say, okay, you're, you're assigned chapter one, you're assigned chapter two, I'm assigned chapter three, right? And so, you know, we all have to read all three chapters, but you'll, re- you'll give the report, right? Just I mean, for the record,
0: a shined is a product of Willett. It- when you said a shined, I think you've been assigned. But assigned,
1: little, okay. okay. It, it could be a product of videos. <laughs> unfiltered, it's, it's compli- this is the fourth or fifth episode. This we're high, highly, prob- highly probable, next question, all right. Uh, also, YouTube videos, there's a lot of great YouTube videos that you can just grab and uh, use yeah. those as talking points too. All right, what are some things that the techs can do while setting up a lead to give the salesperson, if, again, assuming oh, it's gonna be a tech project. lead, right, to give the salesperson a better chance for success?
0: And I'll talk to you. I'm gonna give you one tip. You had that conversation with the homeowner. There are several tips we could give, but I'm under 90 second restraint, 15 of which I just wasted. So what I would say is when the homeowner agrees, yes, they want to talk to a comfort advisor. Before you pick up that phone and call your lead coordinator or CSR, whomever it is you call to book that lead, the last thing that you want to ask the homeowner before you dial that number is, Mr. Homeowner, this is something you want me to do, correct? Get that psychological click Yet I'm asking for this. This is something I want nothing worse for a comfort advisor to show up on a call and the homeowner says well the technician said i should just get a price make them commit mr homeowner mrs homeowner this is something you want me to do correct make them do that psychological click that i want this person to come
2: over and give this information so i would second that 100 uh, percent agreement i probably would only add that uh, i think your technicians would benefit from social styles and personality training so that they could identify the social styles So one of the things we like our guys to do is to be able to give the comfort advisor some insights about the social styles of the people that we're going to be doing business with so that we can mentally and physically prepare for how we're going to actually interface with that client. It's an underrated idea. It's very seldom used, but more sophisticated sales process companies use that as a technique. It's something that you want them to write down in their notes and then put that in your CRM because if you actually get that customer, it's then embedded there. your CSRs and dispatchers will benefit, not just the comfort advisor.
1: So you're talking about social styles and communication types is what you're talking about. If I wanted to learn about that as a a business owner, where would I learn that?
2: You might get that on the technician selling and communication model. You also get that in the comfort advisor technician communication model. On the EGI website? On the EGI website. Wow, amazing, okay. And I would say, make sure technicians
1: do not give ballparks to customers on price. So, all right. Uh, For the last year or so, we have had one particular comfort advisor that is never happy with the number of leads Constantly thinking he's entitled to more leads. They're talking about you, Weldon. Um, Thinking he's entitled to more leads, should get more tech leads than the other guys. Actually, it's my older brother, Uh, et cetera. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's killing morale, but he is very good at sales.
0: The numbers don't lie. We talked about this the other day, a batting order. Meritocracy. A meritocracy, right? The numbers don't lie. A lot of times that comfort advisor thinks he's the best, he may or may not be. If you track your numbers, you track whatever you're tracking, whether it's conversion rate, revenue per lead, whatever your metric is, whoever's at the top of that batting order, that's who you're going to feed the hot hand. And if it's that person, then they can do it with a clean conscience. When other people complain, hey, get yourself the top of the batting order. You're next to go. But the reality is you got to measure to know that stuff. There's nothing wrong with feeding the, 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 you know, these leads belong to the company. They don't belong to the comfort advisor right? And so we have to distribute them according to what's best for everybody that works in that building. If there's 30 people that work in your company, that's 30 mortgages, 30 trips to the grocery store, 30 boxes of diapers, 30 car payments. There's a lot of responsibility that comes from managing those leads. And it's not about one person. You know, Gary does so much work on teamwork and culture. It's about the entire company, about the organism. And no single person is more important than the organism. I agree.
2: Fantastic. 100% 100% agree. I would say uh, uh, define the expectations for the comfort advisor. You should coach that individual, make sure they understand that they're behaving in a way that's negative. Uh, we would coach to that expectation and standard. And if they're not going to adjust their behavior patterns based on that, that's an employee terrorist. And when you have an employee terrorist, you need to eradicate the terrorist from your organization. That's a pretty harsh thought process. However, if you leave that person in place and they continue to cause problems behaviorally, every single person in the company knows you're not serious about your culture. We would not keep that individual, no matter how well they perform. It doesn't matter. It's but we would coach them up. And give I would them every absolutely opportunity. set first. I would set the standards and expectations. Everybody is, you know, I promise you, uh, equality in terms of how I'm going to coach you. I don't promise you equal results. Right. Okay. So the standards come first. The coaching comes behind that. And then if they can make the modification, you've won. You've got the person to you know, be culturally supportive. If they're not willing to do that, you've got to make the hard decision to let that person go. Right. And your company will be better off long-term. It's a short-term hit, but the long-term will be better. Yes or no? Would term- termination be a last resort? Yes, always. And they should never be surprised by it. Amen.
1: And I, and I also think, you know, the, the word entitled obviously is the, the trigger word for all of us there. But like you said, the numbers don't lie. I would look at the numbers and as a, as a sales leader, I would get at where owner, I'd get out there and make sure they're delivering the customer experience that is consistent with what you want from the, the company to get those metrics. And like you said, if they're worthy, then by all means, I, you know, I'm going to allow somebody to basically... You know, do something that others can't can't do. If this person can put up certain numbers, that's what I'm going to allow.
0: Can I comment on the terrorist thing? Ask yourself a simple question: What will the reaction of everyone else, everyone else in the company be if they learn tomorrow morning that person's fired? Would it be a celebration? That tells you all you got to know if he's causing that kind of problem. And, and sometimes it you got to cut is.
1: And sometimes, if you cut down the large trees, the, uh, the smaller trees and the grass and the shrubs underneath will grow. Uh, all right, oh, As that's it, good. Say that again sometimes if you cut down the big trees the the smaller trees and the shrubs and the flowers and the plants and the grass underneath the trees will grow so Dude, everybody that's else in the team waldo
0: emerson right there slow to hire
1: quick be to be fire all right. all right so as a sales or service dispatcher for a small company what is the best way that we could encourage the serv- service and sales guys and gals to maintain consistency and positivity i, I think this is right in your wheelhouse
0: well, I, I just wanna make sure I understand the question so my 90 seconds didn't run yet. What's the best way we can do that?
1: Best way we can encourage the sales and service guys and gals to maintain, maintain consistency and positivity. Yes, the will it is kicking in.
0: Yes. <laughs> Teach the fundamentals and reteach the fundamentals and reteach the fundamentals. The blocking and tackling of being an effective service technician or a comfort advisor, Consistency, com- look, consistent sales results, come from consistent behaviors. Did you wrote a book on this? I wrote a book on that, right? Random sales results come from random behaviors. So if I want consistent results, I've got to uh, demand consistent behaviors. But we gotta teach, and this is Gary's thing, you gotta teach them. You can't just expect it without giving them the teaching, giving them the education. Teach the fundamentals and the sales process, for example. There's four fundamentals, R-I-S-E, relationships, investigate, solve and sell, and then ask for the order. And as long as you're doing those things on a consistent basis, you're gonna have results. So make sure they understand the fundamentals. When you see them having a little dip, get back and say, let's work on the fundamentals today, right, the basics.
2: G-Man. Consistency comes from uh, good, clear uh, ideas, clarity of purpose. Uh, That's culture, that's from the leadership side. So I would ask the question of that individual or that company, do they have clarity of uh, what the culture, do they want? You've got to create an environment of prosperity and success. You have to demand that, So, but you also have to be the leader that uh, produces that. You can't walk in the building with your head down and be cranky today. I mean, you might be cranky, but you have to actually be positive. You have to create that environment. And then I think it's a reinforcement process. I spend 50% of my time in my leadership, basically teaching people and coaching people and helping them understand the why. The why is why people will feel good about what they're doing and the purpose. So if you're not going to coach and you're not gonna teach and you're gonna spend your time worrying about process, it's probably not gonna happen. So you need to be a leader and leaders, they understand that culture is what they're driving. Attitude reflects leadership. You I am an os- opera- you aspirational. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, he's
1: off the okay. willet. I'm off the questions. <laughs> I, the I, I am an operational. On to the off. <laughs> <there>. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the willet. Yeah, like, let's, let's go from 45% to It's the rye. 55%. I need to go back to the bourbon. You I need to of go <laughs> <laughs> to know, know, wait the wait bourbon to or the scotch. The rye is kicking my <laughs> All right, so I am an operational manager for a large mechanical contractor in Florida, but we only do HVAC. What is the best way to go about adding plumbing to our business? with a focus on installations aside from getting the licensing and other requirements sorted out. And I know this is something both of you've tried to do in both of your businesses. So uh, let's go here first.
2: Well, I think the first thing is, is that you want a a decent business plan that how we are going to integrate plumbing in. So that would be the first thing that I would want to have is an understanding of, right, what, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? The second thing would be, there's two avenues, okay? One would be organic with your existing customer base once you have the licenses email drip campaigns, telling your customer base that you're actually in plumbing, You know, those are avenues that you can enter in with your existing base. The second avenue is probably the most desirable one and that would be to acquire a small plumbing outfit and it doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be scaled. You wanna integrate that company as a tuck in bring that set of competencies into your organization. You're gonna bring new customers as well, and so you're gonna absolutely be in the plumbing business at that point. You might find some information on that, on adding a vertical on the EGI website under the best practices Adding a vertical, loving it, loving it. You might find it there.
1: Yeah, and and so acquire a company, okay? You or somebody on your team could go out and get a license and start to do it internally again, you know, uh, uh, migrating to uh, your customers. Uh, or you could do what this gentleman I believe tried to do, which is hired some plumbers and tried to start that division.
0: Yeah, and it didn't It didn't work. I'll give you a better example of one of my clients, because we really struggled with that, like really, really struggled, and lost a lot of money trying to do it. What I would say, is it's a simple idea of cross-marketing. I've got a client of mine, a couple of them actually have done this very successfully, large HVAC companies with uh, service agreement uh, customers in the range of 15 to 20 to 25,000. They did a very simple thing. They decided one day they wanted to get in the plumbing business. They went and found a plumber with a license, And they took all their 20,000 service agreement customers and called them up and said, oh, by the way, we may not have told you, but your service agreement uh, entitles you to a free plumbing inspection. Mm -hmm. They hired a bunch of green plumbing technicians taught them the basics on how to do an inspection and look for opportunities. And within three years, four years, they had a huge plumbing company. I'm talking to the tune of $15, $20 million in plumbing work simply by doing free plumbing
2: inspections as a compliment to their, free, the, or their their service agreement maintenance on their HVAC systems. You simplified that, but that operator is one of the best operators in the industry, and he had a plan before he did that.
0: Well, sure, I mean, I had 90 seconds. You still <laughs> have another 20 left. And you gotta have a plan to do that. Don't do that without a plan. Thank you. And, and
1: <laughs> uh, you know, another good thing is, is you know, is find somebody who, who's having success, who's already done this, and so uh, you know Gary's company happens to be a, a client of ours, and they're trying to launch into that vertical. And so the people asked me what I would do, and I said I would talk to these two guys that I know, and so I hooked them up with some people that I knew, that are, you know, that already did this and did it successfully. So I hooked those guys up, and those conversations are beginning, and we'll see what happens uh, in a future episode.
0: Imagine what you would do though as an HVAC company with 20,000 free plumbing inspections. Exactly.
2: You think you might get some plumbing work out of it? Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. But that's a mechanical contractor and they probably don't have the club agreements in the database.
1: Let's let's take one last question here and then we'll, we'll close out this session here. So, when you and this is an interesting one. When you brand as a Cadillac or a Mercedes of your market, how how even how even after you show showed value to the customer against competitors do you tactfully build the case for why your company should gain the business as opposed to throwing the, and again, this is one of those ones that got cut off. So I'm not sure what they- I,
0: I, w- I would just say this, the bottom line is real simple. If you are a value-based contractor, uh, and Gary's got a lot about this about positioning, you, know, you can't position yourself as the, 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 the Lexus dealer and have the you know, the Kia prices, whatever. And he'll talk about that, I'm sure. But the bottom line is, if you get to the, if you're a value-based contractor, and you get to the end of your presentation, you can present options, and they're surprised that you're way more expensive, you haven't done your job. Listen, when you're that kind of company, and those are the greatest companies, or I shouldn't say that, but they're great companies, right? When you're doing your presentation, it's like building a legal case. Brick after brick after, you have to build a wall of evidence. It's not any one thing, it's the entire presentation the warranties, the superior installations, the superior recruiting, the superior training, everything that you do as a company and you build this wall of evidence. And when homeowners see that kind of presentation, they should know like, this is not the cheap guy. If they're surprised at your price and you're that value-based contractor, you haven't done your job. Yeah.
2: Really don't have anything to add. The positioning strategy has to match up with the idea of whatever your brand is. Brand comes first and then the positioning and what you sell underneath that matches up. So. Walmart doesn't promise you a whole bunch of things. Kia doesn't necessarily promise you a whole bunch of things. You're expecting what, you're, you know, what the price represents. So he's exactly right.
1: You can either be, I wrote an article on this, what, I believe What was that last part there?
2: I said, you are perfectly right. Wow. Exactly. never thought I'd hear that. My life is, perfect. I can be struck by lightning
0: right now and die a happy man. <laughs> Gary Ellick says I was right.
1: And so Perfect. you can either be a Walmart contractor or a Neiman Marcus contractor, but you cannot be both. And the thing is you could be anywhere along that spectrum. The challenge is, is if you're just in the middle, these are the companies that just start to go out of business. Macy's is, you know, is struggling, Kmart went under, Sears went under, the, all, you know, all these other department stores go under. You know, The ones that are the, either the premium brand or the-, you know, the They had no identity. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and nobody beats Walmart. Nobody is going to beat the, the, the well, lowest price can, can I
0: comment on that? Yeah, go ahead. A lot of, I've heard contractors say they wanna be the Walmart in their town. Walmart operates on how many billions of dollars of, re- of revenue? Yeah. You can make a lot of money at 2% net income yeah. on billions of revenue. I don't know any contractors that big. So that Walmart strategy doesn't really work unless you have, we've got a big commercial contractor here in the state. Right. And they operate on tiny margins, but they're doing $100 million a year. Yeah. Right? But if you're not doing that kind of volume, you really can't be the Walmart
2: company. Grocery, grocery stores operate on 1% to 2% margins yes. and they're selling you know, billions. And so you need milk and bread, and it's a repetitive product, so they can operate on those low margins. We're getting a life cycle of maybe eight years in Florida, 10 to 12 years in Phoenix, 15 years in Columbus, Indianapolis. So you gotta think in terms of your product life cycle. That's why the service agreements are so important.
1: Yes. And, and so we also, if you actually can attend the Elevated Consumer Buying Experience class, we dive specifically into this definitely very topic.
0: available through profit Yes. Oh, EGIA. EGIA, you attend a live event class. You, you and Russ do that, don't you?
1: Yes, Russ and I each do that class. Yes, we do. So that's gonna close out this round of questions. We have a bunch more to get to in future episodes. So let's raise a glass to our Cheers. members for submitting some questions. Here's the
0: EGI members, all 1,200 of We appreciate of them. all of you. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. Something else we should talk about is 1,200 members now in EGIA.
2: 1,200 members in climbing. good
0: membership. And growing and growing.